0: Good evening, everyone. Good evening, and welcome to this Meet the Artist interview. I'm Mary Wood for the uh, San Francisco Ballet Center for Dance Education, and it's a real pleasure to be here with you tonight. We're in the War Memorial Opera House in San Francisco, and it's Saturday, March 19th, 2011. And that's an important date because it's the San Francisco Ballet premiere of the Balanchine Coppelia, and we're very, very excited. I want to remind you that um, these programs and uh, the Points of View programs, other educational programming produced by the Center for Dance Education, um, these programs are recorded, and they are put up on the ballet's website, sfballet.org, as podcasts, and um, there's just a wealth of uh, information. They're on the website, including video. They're posting things daily. Um, there's a f- blog. If you go to Studio 455, they've been tracking the production of Capella among other things. So I really encourage you to do that. Uh, again, welcome to those of you who might be listening to a podcast, and welcome to those of you here in the theater. So it's um, part of the excitement is that my good friend, Ricardo Bustamante, who is um, assistant to the artistic director and ballet master with San Francisco Ballet, is here to be in conversation about the ballet. And this is going to be especially fun because Ricardo will be performing in the ballet, not tonight, I'm sorry, um, as Dr. Copelius. So if you can come back sometime during the week and catch that, it will be a treat. <laughs> Let's start at the beginning, Ricardo. Would you just, you know, 25 words or less, what's so, what's so cool about Coppelia?
1: Well, it's very exciting to uh, have a full-length ballet returning to a repertoire. Um, anytime we have a storytelling, sets, costumes, perfect music, uh, it's a great opportunity for the company to, to showcase their acting abilities and their technical abilities and to be challenged by, by a story. Um, Coppelia is an endearing ballet that um, features uh, three principal characters, Swanilda, um, Franz, and Dr. Coppelia's. Um, throughout the ballet it 's a tour de force for the principals who have to be at the peak of their or their dancing career it 's not possible to fake going through three acts, particularly for uh, for Swanilda, with all the different variations that they have to do it 's it's an endearing ballet it 's a comedy uh, there 's a lot of laughter, a lot of good jokes and and um, a lot of wonderful scenes to enjoy through throughout. Um, it was what, it was the, it was the first ballet where um, a scherzo and a mazurka was introduced um, in ballet history. So um, it has this important part, place in history for us. But um, it's just a really refreshing, wonderful full-length ballet to be um, to be adding to a rep, and the company is so excited, and we are, have been working really, really hard to make tonight a delightful night.
0: The the ballet has um, quite a wonderful history, and I want you to read it in your program notes so we don't have to take up our time doing that. But it was created in 1870, and pretty much thanks to the music, which is Léo Delib, um, every version that has been handed down is pretty true to the original because there's nothing else you can do to that music than what is done. But the version we're doing is significant probably um, because it follows the, um, the historical succession, as it were. Um, it went from Paris, where it was premiered, to Russia. Um, from Russia, it came to the West with the, the Ballet Russe de Monte Carlo and Ballet Russe Dancers and Anna Pavlova. <clears throat> and then one of the greats, Juanildas, was Alexandra Danilova. And she was at the um, New York City Ballet and School of American Ballet staff working with George Balanchine. And they decided it was time for New York City Ballet to do a version of it. And that's the one we've inherited. You were saying some um, really interesting things about our connection through Helgi. Do you want to sort of talk a little bit about how wonderful it is to be in the line of succession like that?
1: Right, well, t- uh, talk about um, passing on a heritage. Um, of course, Mr. Balanchine comes to America and gives us you know, an American style of dance. And um, through our, our, the years of performing all of the Balanchine uh, short ballets or full-length ballets, um, it is really quite extraordinary and is really the first um, instance, to my knowledge, that Mr. B- Mr. Balanchine asked for a collabor- collaboration. Um, and then he, he asked Danilova to to um, help him uh, produce the ballet Coppelia as best of her, her recollection. You know of course back then they didn't have videos and um, you know but Danilova had a very very clear idea of what Coppelia should be, um, especially she had danced the role throughout Europe and, and in Russia and it was also a tradition that, although it is a French ballet, um, it became a Russian ballet um, after um, Petit Pas had worked on it, after um, uh, Leon. Saint Leon.
0: Arthur Saint Leon. Who Saint-Leon. was the, origin, yeah. the, uh,
1: the originator of the ballet. So um, Danilo and Balanchine began to work on it, and um, uh, Mr. Balanchine chose uh, Mr. Helgi Thomason and Patricia McBride to be, to be the principals in the ballet. Um, it has been a very endearing um, process for us and, and for me because um, Helgi has been very very involved in every um, aspect of the acting of the pantomime of the storytelling on on passing on the little nuances and details with such a, um, a, a lively and, and energetic and passionate uh, way that, that I feel very close and, and the company feels very close to trying to convey what Mr. Balanchine would have wanted to see back then. And the, the, the work is quite alive. It's, it's quite, it has it's a lot of, a lot of energy. And Judith Fugate, who actually staged the ballet, has done a brilliant, brilliant job at passing on that tradition and preserving the steps as Mr. Balanchine would have wanted to have seen seen dance. And on top of it, really directing the ballet because it needs great, great direction. Um, And then of course, you you have uh, uh, this film of um, dance in America, live from Lincoln Center. Um, uh, State theater, and it 's Mr. Thomason and Ms. McBride dancing in it and If you can get your hands around that film, you won 't believe what beautiful dancing, stunning dancing by mr thomason so it 's quite a challenge already when you actually have this film, and in film, he looks so brilliant, and so I think our principal dancers have a big a big challenge to step up to the plate. <laughs> And they and they and there will be. be. We have wonderful cast.
0: <laughs> there are um, just so many things about the ballet. We were joking about how we were going to fit it all in. the um, The character dance, the Mazurka in You already referenced that, which is. Um, the first time that kind of character dance, well, the first time the chardash was actually brought from um, the countryside and the ballrooms of Hungary to the stage, which is another story. Um, the children, this is, what, this is a long tradition in the old classics and in the old um, traditional ballet academies and state companies of Europe, was to involve the children from the very beginning. And the children of the academies grew up Going to perform the roles, getting a little bit bigger and bigger every year until they graduated into the company. So this this production has a huge cast of children.
1: This production um, will show you the type of um, training that San Francisco Ballet provides to the to the children. The children you will see on stage they are literally the core of the ballet in the divertissement of the third act. There is no adult corps de ballet. Uh, there are 24 children and they're uh, from ages nine to 13. And um, they are ready to really do a knockout performance. Knock on wood. Um, but it's really, really, really wonderful because um, what what a luxury to have this kind of experience in a grand opera house amongst, amongst the professional dancers and and to be actually Cast to do this, and then for Mr. Uh, Balanchine and Betty Paye, and the, in the, in the long standing tradition of Russian ballets to incorporate children in the ballet. I mean, it's not just that it looks cute, but but it's also, it, like you say, it's a way to groom them and to bring them up into professional artists and to develop their their stage skills.
0: One of the things that's um, well we've zeroed ourselves into, and that is talking about the role of Dr. Coppelius. The uh, libretto for this ballet was taken from, freely adapted from a story, actually a couple of stories by E.T.A. Hoffman, who was a gothic writer. I mean, he was a writer of very gothic, macabre stories, short stories and operas in the early 19th century. Um, We know one other ballet, based on a Hoffmann story. Anybody here know what that was? The nutcracker. <laughs> yes. Um, also slightly adapted. And when they created uh, Coppelia, they really um, stripped away the, the dark stuff, the macabre stuff. Um, but it, fundamentally it was about a, a kind of a mad scientist type who wanted to um, make a creation and bring it to life. And um, the character that has survived, really, is Dr. Coppelius. And you are... um, This is really kind of a... You've had a career of dancing great principal parts, and this could be considered one of the great principal parts. So why don't you tell us a little bit about... Who is Dr. kapelius and how you are challenged to, um, to bring the story to life through that character?
1: <laughs> um, I love this ballet. I love this ballet because um, it is as sophisticated as it is a simple story. A very easy story to understand and a, and a very fulfilling story to live through on stage. So I have two options. I could either be a, a very macabre, as you say, Dr. Coppelius, sort of, you know, interesting and sort of uh, her hermitage and and um, inside my own head and be a little bit cuckoo, or I could be just a real dreamer and um, a very innocent uh, type of man who um, who truly believes that because he's so enamored with his creations, and he wishes for for these beautiful dolls to come alive, that he believes that inside himself, inside his own his own universe, that that it is possible. Um, I cho- I choose to be much more in contact with with the children's side of the story than with the Hoffman, you know, whole you know sophistication of the story, and. With that approach, um, the story makes much more sense to me because um, Swanilda sees, a, sees Coppelia sitting on a, on a balcony, reading every single morning, and Swanilda, who is very, very friendly, she, everybody in the, in, in the village loves her, but this one girl will never say hello, and that wouldn't, even, wouldn't, wouldn't even gaze past her book. Franz walks in and sees there's that beautiful girl, and, she, and he wants to win her love, and, and he says, but I have a beautiful girl, Swanilda, who I'm in love with, but I also love this girl. Well, Dr. Capellius kind of catches on into this, you know, Franz, who is a bit fickle, and and he, um, you know, uh, Swanilda and Franz um, break in, into his his shop, and... In the middle of his fantasy, um, he says, you know, after giving him a poison to uh, to to, uh, to France, and he gets drunk and passes out and falls asleep, then Doctor Coppélia says, "This is my opportunity. I'm going to take, I'm going to take her his energy and put it on her, so she becomes a little lively. I'm going to take his eyes and put it on her, and so she can see. And I'm going to take his his feet and so she can walk. And I'm going to take his heart and places it on." on the heart. Well, he thinks that he's making all of this happen. The only thing he doesn't know is that Swanilda broke into his shop and she, and she dressed as Coppelia, as the doll that he's been making and thinking that he's going to make it come to life. So, do I believe this story? Um, I believe it if I fantasize, if I'm naive enough to just say, um, yes, uh, Coppelia, Is although it's just Swanilda, she turns into Swanilda, um, and she fools me. I I live for nothing else but the fantasy of seeing this come alive. I don't need to analyze it. I don't need to uh, to uh, to make have anybody make sense for for me except that this is my reality. So this is how I face how I I I plan to to play Doctor Coppelius. It is an enormous 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 role. Um, I've always admired the ballet and those who play Dr. Coppelius and I have seen great many versions around the world and, and in New York. Um, and I don't know, I always fancied and I went, well, when I'm, when I'm a, a, a character dancer, which I am today, you know, one of my dream roles would be to be Dr. Coppelius and that dream is coming t- um, true tomorrow afternoon.
0: When um, the world is full of, ballet companies are full of dancers who have long and happy careers and then retire, they don't all become character dancers. Why was it appealing to you to continue a performing career?
1: Well, um, uh, for the same reason I'm a ballet master, for the same reason I, I enjoy dance, for the same reason I enjoy music, i, I 'm a dancer and would always be a dancer, and um, I love how dance changes through times and how times changes dancers and I f- consider myself very lucky to still be here in the theater with the possibility of interpreting a role and um, standing beside all these young dancers, um, the dancers of the future and of today and um, Having been a ballet master, an artistic director, and you know, filling every shoe. I'm I'm all about dance, um, and it, When when you dance, um, you'll never forget it. When you dance, you you know, it lives in you. So, how wonderful that I can continue and. Um, Every every role that you're given, um, you give a great thought. You bring all the experience you have, and you you do all the research, and you have a director to direct you in within your ideas and within, you know. It's, it's a it's a it's a pretty wonderful thing.
0: Is it physically demanding to do a part like Doctor Capelius?
1: Yes. And I will bring Mr. Thomas in again <laughs> to the story because first time I did my run-through, he stood against the mirror and he looked at me and halfway through the second act, my face was red. And, <laughs> and I, don't th- I don't think he realized the brown boys also turned red. <laughs> so he was very concerned. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then, and then I've, I, I told him, I, I think I'm going to explode. <laughs> and he said, it's not so easy, eh?
0: That I remember you you responded by saying you were going to have to learn to pace yourself, but I think that was the, right. the secret there that, that uh, not doing a classical variation could be just as as taxing, and some of the other roles that we 've seen you in just as a quick review we 've seen you in Swanley um, Giselle you did
1: and Giselle is the Duke um, this year I did uh, the drunk. The, um, the Doctor and Winter Dreams. That's right, that's right. And I'll be doing the, um, uh, in Petrushka, I'll be doing the Magic Man, the Flute Man.
0: Oh, I'd forgotten so, that, yes.
1: Yeah, coming right and up. And then
0: of course, back to Hoffman, you've done uh, Drosselmeier. Drosselmeier,
1: yes, which I love. I, I, it's, it's kind of fun um, to do your, your character uh, roles because in a way, you have to stay fit. It is dancing. Crossing the stage, it requires to meditate, how do I go across and how would I be perceived by the people who are watching me? Do I turn out my legs? Do I turn in? Do I hunch? Do I use my hips? Do I use my expression? Do I use my eyes? And how long do I have before I convey one single idea? Pantomime and this type of ballet, it is a, a, a very crafty art. And it requires coaching every single day. Uh, Judith Fugate, who staged the ballet, she was very specific on how, how to actually do all of this pantomime. And then once she, she, she set the road for you to follow, then she'll say, okay, you have these options, or if you have an idea, then come up with it. And each one idea had to be studied met, and, and thought about to make sure that you don't go away from the story or that, or that you don't lose the importance of the sentence that you have to say. And there's a lot of conversation back and forth and back and forth with all the different characters. So it is, it is, you have to do a great study on it.
0: In some classical ballets we're um, familiar with, we see the so-called classical pantomime, Or classical mime which is um, very stylized hand gestures and then we see more natural acting the character doing what you would do if you were just um, not on the stage but pantomiming is this in this in this ballet is it a mix of that is it some of the old classical pantomime will we see that
1: it's a lot of the classical pantomime, as far as like saying you or I, or I see, or, or, or you can say drink, or you, or you can say this, this. That means crazy. <laughs> um, uh, and you can say no. Uh, so a lot of the hand gestures, and you would read through it. It would be very, very, very clear. And the timing is like this. Thank you to the music of Deliv, who is absolutely a perfect ballet score. It is interesting, important music with characterization, narrative, perfect, um, per- perf- perfect uh, feeling, um, and it is and, and delightful music, full orchestra, full body, great atmosphere.
0: So tuneful, and I predict that if you aren't quite sure if you're familiar with it, as soon as you hear it, you'll say, oh, that's what that's from. So yes. Um, we have about five minutes. For those of you who've come in late, um, I'm in conversation with Ricardo Bustamante, who is assistant to the artistic director and ballet master, and will be alternating in the role, the character role, of Dr. Copelius. But now maybe we can take some questions. So there's someone
1: here When Damien Smith does uh, Dr. Coppelius, will we have the same interpretation? Um, well, Damien is the first cast, so I'm doing his role <laughs> um, Damien uh, yes we're we're I think we're a little bit different. Um, I love, he's, he's, he's naturally very funny. Damien always makes me laugh. And he's, he's, uh, his timing on stage is impeccable. Um, he's developed this wobble type of walk that is very much his idea. And his report with his characters is a little bit different than mine. Um, I don't know if I should give it away, but um, yes, they are different as much as they are similar. Similar in the way that it's staged and what we're supposed to uh, say, but um, I think we we are two different performances. Okay. I
0: can't believe we've said everything there is to say. Okay, there. was saying that she was one of the children that you rehearsed many years ago um, as a ballet master in the Nutcracker. Um, and then she also asked the question, what is the ballet master's day-to-day responsibilities?" So a couple words about that.
1: Thank you for sharing your, your enthusiasm with the past. It's um, Dito. <laughs> um, my responsibilities are many, on uh, a daily basis. I teach company class uh... for an hour and fifteen minutes I've, uh... i have to help organize um, you know the ballots that i'm that i'm in charge uh... with our uh... Company scheduling manager um, to to tell him um, where i'm at with with whatever work uh... say for instance we're working in copelia i'm in charge of the principals and say okay so-and-so has rehearsed variations and now we need to develop more time or hours to take him through the three acts um, as of I, I do uh, multitask. I work on Copelia as I am working on Chroma right now for Program Five from Program Six, um, having to do with, with the general organization and just uh, and to be at Helgi's, uh, whatever he needs me to do. Um, May it be talking to a dancer or talking to somebody within production. Passing it on, uh, mostly is uh, taking good care of, of, of the company. My uh, job is mostly in the studio, but um, we have a lot to do office uh, work as far as casting and, and looking into the productions that are coming. So, uh, many, many duties, uh, and every day is different than the next.
0: And you still find time to perform. Yes.
1: Um, So the gentleman wants to know, uh, so from performing to say in New York to now performing in San Francisco and to be performing a specific role, how does it change?
0: I think I hear you saying, how is it different um, to be a performer and then become a director? And in your case, you can actually speak to that because you've been a director.
1: Yeah, well, um, dance requires for you to be very well-rounded. Um, and luckily, there are some people if that, that have a, an aspiration um, and, and, and therefore, they look into being, say, a principal dancer and all being a classical ballet. Um, for me, all aspects of dance has always been terribly interesting. I'm interested in how um, the shoes are made to the sets, to the lighting, to the people that come to the theater, what people li- like, don't like. Um, was Charlotte the first Charlotte in Coppelia? Um, you have to have an inquisitive mind, um, and everything is of importance because uh, you are talking about passing on tradition. Um, everything that you hear, everything that happens behind these these curtains every single day, is 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 a is a is is a living art. Uh, today we have a general rehearsal, and and the work really looks ready to go, and um, to have all the people that were involved in the production to feel that they we've, we've all done a very thorough work as far as you know f- even from the from the uh, set designer roberta divagno who has done an absolutely beautiful job and to have her agree on everything the way it was presented um, to the way the variations have been danced according to helgi and that's all in place to cor- to the corps de ballet to the to the to the students of the school to be are they really ready to be presented um, it's it's a work in progress. Every single day, you have to be very wide, open eyes, and the details present in front of you. And we have uh, an amazing company here in San Francisco. I don't know if you realize the the amount of talent from the dancers to the staff and the people that carry on. I mean, even. Like Mary, you know, knowing as much as you know about dance. And so it's a collaboration. It's everybody pitching in and, and with great urgency speaking about the matter and doing something about it. That's how that happens.
0: That's probably a topic that we could go on and on about. I'm afraid we've reached the end of our time. It's been absolutely wonderful. Already called half hour, and people they, they start giving me funny looks. Okay. Um, maybe um, so, Ricardo Bustamante and I have been in conversation about this evening's production of Coppelia. You are going to just love it. And so, now thank you all for good attention. Thank you so much, Ricardo. Thank you for coming. Enjoy. Thank it.
1: you. Enjoy.